You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, today, we're joined by a 20-year Broadway veteran with some phenomenal credits, including Saturday Night Fever, Legally Blonde, Wicked, 9 to 5, Rocky the Musical, and most recently, Pretty Woman. Uh, here on Broadway, he's actually a three-time Tony Award nominee and on the West End, an Olivier Award winner for his performance in Groundhog Day. Uh, we're really ha happy to welcome him to the podcast. Uh, so with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to Home Plate. Just be on the marquee. Now batting, Andy Carl. Andy, what's up, brother? Thank you for listing my resume. That was a, uh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to be reminded. It's like, I mattered back, you know, before May. That's amazing. <laughs> we need all the positive reassurance that we could get in these times. Exactly. Um, yeah, certainly. Um, I, and you're doing, you know, a great service by doing these interviews. I mean, I've listened to so many of them and, and I just, I, I just love it. It's really interesting. It's your interesting approach on the, the world that, you know, we are in as far as Broadway and then peppering it with your favorite thing, baseball. So, <laughs> I think it's, it's, I mean, I, for me, it's like, it's interesting. Cause it's like, uh, when I heard about it, it's kind of how I reacted to when I heard about they were going to audition for Rocky, the musical. I was like, why, why would anyone do that? So it's just like, it was like, how do you fit those two worlds? How do you make Rocky into a musical? Or how do you do a podcast about baseball and Broadway? Then I listened. Then I was, I was just like so involved and so invested in people's stories because it's, it's, it's beyond that because you, you make the, you make the, uh, the bridge happen. You uh, close the gap. Well, thank you. I, you know, it, it, it's a labor of love. And, uh, you know, when I get to talk to folks like you, it's even more of a thrill because, you know, rumor has it that you were quite the high school baseball player. I think you got to tell us about that. Uh, yeah. Um, according to some, uh, no, I, 
I um I really loved it. Loved Little League. I um they called me the Polish Cannon because I had such a an arm at that point, probably from lanky uh, limbs, uh, able to get a lot of velocity on that uh, on that ball. But um, I played a hell of a l- little league game, uh, all county for that, and it was great. Uh, then I got involved in uh, swimming, kind of around. I w- actually earlier than than baseball, I was involved with swim swimming. So I had sort of this like swimming during one part of the season and then going and playing baseball at another part of the season. Um, it was, uh, it was very athletic. And then, I mean, I wanted to discuss this, this with you guys, uh, uh, as a sort of like how guys approach, uh, baseball and sports and all that stuff. And obviously, and I don't want to get dark with the conversation because this this happens to a lot of guys or and and women as well who get involved in sports and they have their fathers with them throughout like a certain part of their their um, getting into it. Then my parents got divorced sort of when I was around thirteen or fourteen, and I completely lost interest in sports. I like didn't want I I it's sort of also the same time I sort of got involved with singing and going in another direction and becoming involved in theater. So my connection with like baseball and theater stopped at one point and it picked up with uh with theater. So I don't know if that's ever occurred with uh, anyone you ever talked to or is in your life. And I'm an I'm an older person now. It doesn't bug me as much. It was just interesting to think about and interesting to think about guys who get involved in sports and how it prolongs itself throughout its life. It could be involved with your father or a family member and then something happens and then you no longer have interest. Have you heard anything like that before? Well, I can relate from personal experience in the sense that, so I lost my dad when I was 15, but you know, so right around the same age, but what was interesting was, you know, especially for me, it was a little different because, you know, you still had your dad around. um, Right. For me, especially being 15, that's such like, it's a crazy age as it is. Baseball, and I was doing sports in the arts, you know, from age 10 through that point. Um, the the Yankee thing almost went to another level for me just because it was mm. a way to keep his memory around. It was right. a little bit different right. with you because, you know, I, I you were living with your mom at that point um, after the yep. divorce. Yes. So yeah, it became sort of like they didn't want to see each other. I was sort of like going between two households and it just seemed like the, the, uh, his involvement with like creating a new life and my mother trying to like, you know, create a new life as well. And me going on through school, feeling sort of like disassociated with something that I connected heavily with my father kind of like didn't happen anymore. And my, my brother really was, was older than I was. So he had like he had moved out and that kind of stuff. But it was it was interesting because I know this for sure. I know over the years I've examined that part of like, why did I like lose interest completely? It's like, oh, it's your, you know, it happened right around the same time you had you were involved with this divorce with your parents, which um, and they're both lovely people. It was just uh it was a matter of like something I shared with him and now I was living with my mother. And so that it just sort of like, you know, dissipated that way. No fault of anyone's, you know, don't want them to be miserable in their marriages, but I certainly just sort of like, Oh, that's something I'm not going to do anymore. I'm not going to be involved with that. Um, it'll be a distant memory until, you know, much later when the, uh, Broadway, uh, softball league started up and I, <laughs> and, I, and, I and I dove head first into it. 
<laughs> now, I know you're from Baltimore. When you were playing Broadway Softball League, were you trying to emulate Cal Ripken in the infield? Were you trying oh, to man. emulate, like, were you pitching like a Jim Palmer? Because I know you're a Baltimore guy, so these are the parallels oh, yeah, that yeah. are coming to this, mind. That, see, that's, you're talking like, that's the stuff I was really into. I was really into the Orioles right at that heyday with Cal Ripken Jr. and Eddie Murray. Uh, you know, Earl Weaver was, you know, their manager. It was, it was a great time for the Orioles. So that's another thing. It's kind of like the Orioles sort of lost speed after like 84 or something. And, you know, I think they're picking back up now. Um, it was just, it was very, it was uh, very strange, but yeah, to, I, I sort of, you know, when I was growing up, like Cal Ripken Jr. was like, he was the S H I and, uh, you can finish that word. Um, it was, uh, he was the man and, and it was so wild. I remember that's the memories I have of going to the, uh, the field and, um, seeing him, Eddie Murray out there and just, eh, was Frank Robinson as well. All those guys were just amazing. Um, that's, that's, that's my heyday with it. So I think I left on a good, good note. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you picked up the arts as well. Let me ask you, uh, you know, being a guy who went from being an athlete and then into the theater world, you know, from high school and then onward, how was that viewed, you know, as a guy, uh, you know, who was considered pretty jockey to that point and then, you know, kind of made that transition, you know, growing up, you know, was it viewed as cool to do both sports and the arts where you grew up or was it, was there a stigma or just give me a little insight into that? I don't, I don't think it was viewed as uncool. It was, uh, it's, my mother played organ for her church. Music was always around. Um, and she's the one that had the Tommy who's the, who's Tommy soundtrack and Jesus Christ superstar, um, West side story. She had the albums in, in the, uh, in the basement. And so, um, music was constantly around my house. The arts was sort of involved. So I think people expected that, oh, of course, Andy's going to, you know, know music and he's going to sing in the chorus at his elementary school and his high school, uh, because, uh, his mother literally is a musician. Um, so it, it was, it wasn't that it was not cool. It was just something that none of my family had ever like, done before like my mother was definitely an organ player a church player and a teacher and my dad was like construction worker uh you know baseball everything sort of like that and there was separation so i had them around the house all the time um it's just that no one had ever mixed the two and i was i was probably the first to like gap that bridge bridge the gap yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, bridge of the gap, exactly. Like kind of like what we're doing on this podcast with sports. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're you're bringing me back to my, you know, my roots in a, in a sense. Things I've avoid I've avoided for years. Well, we're happy to be the show to do that. And uh, you know, obviously, it's cool that your mom, you know, had that musical and artistic background. You're going to enter a very challenging industry that is acting and then, you know, eventually Broadway. Uh, did you have your parents support at that time? Yeah. I mean, because there was music in the house, it wasn't like I was doing something crazy. It wasn't like I was all of a sudden singing when nobody else had ever heard songs before in the house. Um, so I think they invested themselves into me having the curiosity to go do it. Um, I, but my brother, who was five years older than me, he was kind of the wild kid in our family. And he's the one that like, you know, 
went off into crazy stuff. So I always looked like, you know, nerdy Andy, um, in a sense, but I was, you know, I, I, which means I got away, I got away with a lot of stuff, um, especially just sort of like finding out what to do with myself. And so when I, um, here's, here's the story. I'm such a bad kid. Um, so I was in uh, high school. I was in my second year of high school and, uh, a friend of mine, was in the bathroom smoking and I went in to go to the bathroom during one of my classes. And he was like, boom. I was like, what? Oh, he's just smoking away. He's like, hands me the cigarette. I go, never did this before. I take it and in walks the vice principal and he just nails me. And like, we go to the office that my friend doesn't go to the office. He's the one that's staying in the bathroom. So got into so much trouble. Uh, I got uh, suspended for like a week. And my mother, who's a teacher, mind you, freaking out, doesn't know what to do. And just like, and I'm just sitting there like, I don't know what to do either. So she kind of encourages me because I had been singing in the chorus in, in high school and in middle school. She encourages me to go audition for a, uh, a music, a, ch- a children's musical uh, out in, in Baltimore at a, at a dinner theater that's what hooked me because I met this family of actors and directors and, and people are putting together costumes and everybody's sort of, a, you know, putting together a stage show. And I was like, this is it. This is, this is my new family. This is exactly what I was looking for. I needed to like, I needed to be a part of something like I was in, in sports when I was, when I was younger, I needed to be part of putting together something. And I have, I never looked back. And uh, my, I think my parents saw that. Certainly my mother saw that and was like, oh, that's, that's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to be involved in because I was totally curious about it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you were growing up, musical theater, especially on Broadway, uh, was so different from what you see now. And it's pretty interesting. You've kind of found a niche in the movie musicals. Did you ever envision, you know, like entering into this industry, you'd be in anything from Saturday Night Fever to Pretty Woman, then, of course, uh, Rocky the Musical, for example? Dude, are you, were you, are you old enough to have seen Tommy on Broadway? I was born in 90. So actually my yeah, first no. show was uh, Once Upon a Mattress, 97. So I think Very it was nice. just after that. It was good. I like Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> so so my, my Once Upon a Mattress was uh, Tommy, uh, the Who's Tommy on Broadway. I, um, I, I knew that album backwards and forwards just from the, the soundtrack from the movie and from like, I was really into the Who and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And then I heard, and I was getting into musicals kind of at the same time. And then I heard that Tommy was going to be on Broadway. I was like, oh my God, stop everything. I went up and I saw, I went back and forth to New York eight times. I saw that show. I was obsessed. It's the one and only show that I've ever done that for. And um, I was the spectacle of it all. The, uh, the soundtrack coming alive for me. Um, it's sort of, it melted my brain in this thing. It's like, this is your, if you don't do this, this is, you're dumb because it was, it was, it was a calling at that point. It was, it was everything sort of, I was involved in coming together at a, at a hilt. So that was it. I, I just sort of, uh, I, I got hooked on that show and it, it, you know, you, you see the person you are before you or hear you hear the person you are hearing from. <laughs> Now, I mentioned the movie musicals. Rocky is obviously very popular among our sports fans. At least the movie was. Um, how did that project come about? Uh, Rocky, uh, as I said before, I was like, uh, I heard from my agent at the time that they were auditioning. And um, I was, uh, I, my first reaction was, that's ridiculous. They can't, how are they going to make Rocky? into a musical this guy talks low and slow and he you know he's kind of like a like a bumbling guy he doesn't know how to get anywhere um and make him sing i was like that's it's just not gonna work anyway i go back and i watch the movie because i was like all right i'll go in is this a joke no it's not a joke let's do it i go and watch the movie and all of a sudden this like beautiful independent film that i rem i'm reminded of again the the, fir the first rocky i'm reminded how beautiful and uh heartfelt and then the championing at the end where you can't help but like every time you watch it you just you're in your seat like you just want to leap up and be like screaming for rocky and you're watching every hit come alive and i was like oh i need to do this as a musical um this is something that i've never done before it's sort of creating this uh, iconic character again and making him sing when nobody's going to expect how beautiful it's going to be. Um, that was really thrilling. It was sort of uh, getting, getting the idea that this character that has nothing comes up and, and fights for, you know, the championing of himself as well as for his community. Um, so I go in, or no, I don't go in. I I send in a tape. I send in a uh, a tape. We don't send tapes anymore. I um I sent in through a video on my computer my audition, which was sort of in my living room because uh, they were I don't know where they were. They weren't. I couldn't get to them or something. So I sent it to them and I sang. I think some like uh, something from Eddie and the Cruisers. Um, in a tank top, which we're both wearing right now. Um, <laughs> Thanks for exposing know, me, Andy. Appreciate we're, we're both that, in tank tops because you have to be. Uh, no <laughs> pants, I think, as well. Um, so I, I, uh, I send the tank top because I just wanted to get the, you know, the vibe. Like he's in a tank top half the time, or you know, he's in his boxing gear. They got to see the body. You got to see. And I wasn't nearly as fit as I was going to be once I did the show, um, but something clicked. I sort of knew how to handle this guy and make him somewhat real and, and heartfelt and as beautiful as the movie 
wanted the character to be. And so it, it's like, you know, Stallone plays it the best because it's him. It's his baby. Um, but I, I sort of, I, I wanted to emulate that. And uh, anyway, they saw that the video, it came to them on a two inch screen because somehow I got the platforms mixed up and sent this like tiny, tiny little video of them that they could barely, of myself that they could barely see. But something, something that uh, Aaron's and Flaherty saw um, proved that I could come in and, and, and do a callback. And uh, once I walked in the room with this part, sort of I had like maybe another week to work on it and the songs and the, the sides and, and remember what the, you know, the, beautiful, the beauty and the honesty of the film, everything just sort of clicked into exactly what, I, I just felt completely comfortable with it. And I, I sort of knew that I owned the character when I was doing that audition. Um, and like the next day they called. So it was, it was really, uh, that was thrilling. That was a, that was a thrill, but I also knew that, uh Oh, I have a mountain to climb with this show. This is going to be kind of epic, um, with, with this character. Now I know Sly came to see the performance. Did he give you any feedback or any, uh, did he tell you how much he enjoyed it? What did uh, Sly tell you when you got to meet him? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's a he's a tough nut to crack. And I was also totally respectful. I was like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna do the best I can with this because it deserves it. I'm bringing 120 percent every time to the rehearsals and also to the performance. Um, he he. It's so ingrained in his DNA. This role. It's really interesting the the story yeah and he's done a million franchises and he's but this is the one that sort of set his uh his existence in our movie you know cinema world and for the rest of you know time it seems um so i had it's like i needed to be respectful of that so maybe i didn't like you know come in strong like this is what i want to do with it this is i let him talk um there's some really interesting conversations um we met approximately five times um the first time was i had never met him before but we were putting together the reading for the first time at at a juilliard in some room at juilliard and um i'm um we're there we're basically with our you know books books in front of us and um it's the day of the presentation and he walks in and it's freaking sylvester stallone it's rocky about to see my performance of Rocky. And I was like, I put aside the freaking out. I was like, don't do it. Don't you dare freak out. You, you open your mouth and speak because when your first words come out of you uh, as the character, which I don't remember the exact first line, but I definitely used the voice uh, of him to sort of emulate that. It's a very tricky game with that role. Um, he was, he was sitting like, you know, five feet in front of me. And I was, you know, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty much freaking out. It was, it was, it was interesting, but he loved it. And afterwards he told me, I was like, he's like, you get it. You get the humility. You get, you understand this character. We can, t we're going to talk about it. And he gave me some, you know, ideas to think about, especially um, the song in Rocky's heart, which is smile. Oh, your heart is breaking. It was it was interesting that he chose that song as as character as his character because this guy kind of 
smiles or at least gets through this horrible world that he lives in and this horrible town. He's got no money. He's a terrible boxer and he works for a guy who basically breaks legs and he's a leg breaker. And it's, um, it's interesting that, you know, Rocky chose, chose to, you know, smile and he wants to do the better idea of what he's doing. He doesn't, he doesn't want to break people's thumbs. He doesn't want to have to do that. He knows he has to, to make some money, but he's like, let's, you know, he lets people go away. It's that it's really interesting. It's like, he wanted a better life for himself and he was given the opportunity. And then what does he do with that? He takes the opportunity and runs, which is kind of how I thought about the role. I'm like, what am I going to do with this tremendous opportunity to play this role? I'm going to step up like Rocky and I'm going to, you know, champion through. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's so true of, uh, you know, what baseball players and actors and actresses, you know, deal with on a daily basis, uh, you know, in Broadway. So I think that that role uh, is such a great embodiment of so many things on so many levels. And, you know, I, I just wanted to ask you, I know that I mentioned before that you have done a lot of uh, movies turned musicals. Do you have a favorite role on Broadway that you've done? I know you've done some great ones. Yeah. I mean, they're all obviously great for so many reasons to get an opportunity to play Rocky was pretty much pretty incredible. Um, that in itself and sort of, and the staging that Alex Timbers did, the, the, the fights at the end, the, um, there's, there was so much the heart of that. It was, but what, on the flip side of that is a, a character like Phil Connors from Groundhog Day, which is sort of the op, complete opposite of Rocky. It was somebody who like takes somebody who has just doesn't care about anybody else's problems and kind of wants them to move out of the way so he can get to the next thing. Um, the great thing about um, Phil Connors in Groundhog Day is that he lives sort of the opposite journey that, that Rocky does, where he's a real jerk and he's he doesn't sort of see the people around him. Or if he does, he dismisses them because he has no time. He does not care about your problems. He does not care about you or Punxsutawney. And he wants to get the hell out of there. Uh, towards the end, the journey to Phil's Connor, Phil Connors' uh a show at the end is that he realizes that everybody around him makes him better, makes him the person that he is, makes him stronger. Um, Groundhog Day used so much uh, of what I had to offer as far as an actor, as far as a musician, as far as a comedic actor, as far as slapstick, uh, as far as emotional. Um, it just utilized so much of what I had had inside me. And it also had a very huge metaphysical idea behind it and the magic of it and how to, how do you respond to these incredible times? And honestly, right now in the world we're living in, I feel like we're all living a little bit of Groundhog Day. So it speaks to me every day, that show. I can imagine, you know, speaking of the world we're living in now, you know, let's say if Broadway comes back in January, like they're talking about. I know we've spoken to some folks who, you know, maybe talked about the spring. They might feel more comfortable performing then. Uh, what are you doing right now to stay on your game during the pandemic, Andy? Oh, 
it isn't it it's harder it's like hard some weeks and then it's easy some weeks i mean you've got this podcast going on so you got like you got a game plan like my plan is like all right i'm going to write the great american play for everybody to know and then there's some weeks i'm like i can't write a thing and i toss the whole script in the trash um or i you know it's i think the thing about it is like um it's regiment you have to keep yourself in some sort of regiment in order to sort of deal with what we're dealing so working out and doing that stuff in the morning which i'm you know it's you you're working out like what am i working out for i don't understand um so that you keeping the hope alive i think is the big thing and keeping the hope alive for broadway to come back and and we all wanted to come back because it's so affected our lives it's why we're talking about it right now it changed the course of my entire life how how do i get that back um I also have to be able to accept change because I think Broadway, it, I, I'm sh- all for the better. I know I know it's going to change for the better because it's going to be something else and something that we're aware of. We've had theater through our lives and all that kind of stuff. It's it's existed for hundreds and hundreds of years, but it's going to be a little bit different when we come back because it's it's a matter of maybe we'll be more appreciative of it. Maybe we'll be less into a certain type of show. Maybe we'll want to see a a a message that's that can really speak to all of us um, for what we just went through with all this. Um, it will be interesting because I I don't have the answers of when and how. I just have the answer of how I'll feel when it when it comes back, and I, I'm I'm very excited for it. I'm I'm excited for change. I'm excited to like write my own stuff. I've been writing the hell out of songs and I've been putting stuff together. I've been putting demos remotely with some of my actors, actor friends and making things happen. I'm, it's interesting when I'll, I'll write a song and I'll have somebody record it for me remotely. They'll be like, that was so much fun. I haven't been able, been able to create in such a long time. What's happening with it. Let's get it going. Let's, let's try to make this happen. And that's when I'm, you know, reinvested back into, Oh, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. And it's nice to see that you've gotten to do some pretty cool things, you know, on the art side during this quarantine. I will say I'm a big Paul Williams fan. I think he did a pretty good job with the uh, Rainbow Connection singing alongside. Oh, you him. saw that. That was awesome. I did. That was, it was really, it was nice because again, it's a, it's a remote thing. So you don't know what's really happening when you're recording and you don't know who's going to appear on these things, but like, you know, Patti Lapone is on it and, <laughs> and all these incredible, you know, mainstays of your your of your life as far as actors and and musicians and um it was great it was it was a great uh charity to 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 give a little something for and i think that's how we're all dealing with stuff right now is like trying to give as much as we can um in order to feel like you know we belong on this earth and 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 are a part of something and to be asked to be to do something like that was uh was great and to you know be on the same screen with kermit the frog always awesome another he's my he's my cal ripkin jr of my childhood (laughs) i do wonder on the uh baseball and broadway parallel side if you could ever get someone to appear in uh 2632 consecutive shows let's say over the course of like a few years like because let's say you know baseball you have an off season obviously and you know sometimes you're in between shows but i wonder if someone would ever do 2632 on broadway (laughs) consecutive has somebody a fan of the opera done that did they there's there's gotta be people that are close i know like shows don't run that long that many performances like you know right uh, (laughs) 
you, you have to have a show run that long. And Phantom <laughs> of the Opera did, or it, is it there yet? I don't even know it's there yet, but you know. So they had crew, a little hiatus. They had a little yeah. hiatus. I think Lion King is the longest like consecutive one right now. Oh, wow. So, you know, you got to have some crew guy in the back who's been there every single day. So we'll give it to him. It's, yeah, we'll give him the ripping credit. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I mean, yeah, look, my wife, Orfe, like never calls out. She's she's freaking cords of steel. It's amazing. I'm going to knock on wood. But um, it's it's wild. I try to live up to that. You know, I, I have, I missed a few shows like Groundhog Day when I tore my ACL completely. I had to miss a couple shows. And um so that was tough for me because I loved it so much, uh, which makes you think that Cal Ripken must, Cal Ripken Jr. must just love the game that much that he will show up. I'm sure he's had some 80% days. I'm I'm pretty sure he's he's shown up with a cough and not feeling at his best, but he 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 got through or they you know maybe they didn't play him as long for a few innings or i'm not so sure but uh we, we should check that out that'll be interesting to know that if if he ever had like an off day because what we do as actors i think we we deal with percentages as far as like going back into work so if if i'm at 80 percent, i'll still show up um I'll just have to warm up, uh, you know, a lot that day. Uh, if I'm at a hundred percent, obviously. Um, but below that 80, it's like, I, I'm just not going to give it the audience a really good performance. This just, this won't be good. If I'm, if I'm, I'm going to cough or like, you know, sneeze or, or sound like, you know, Kermit the frog, uh, in one of these performances, I, I can't do that to them or you just buck it up, you know, stretch it out vocalize and say i feel sorry for this audience and then you get back out there on the stage well and anytime i've seen you on broadway you always give a hundred percent at least from what i've seen and uh, i hope you can bring a hundred percent to this final segment that we do to wrap every show on break a bat here we go all right now are you familiar with who i know you're a little rusty on the baseball but do you know who Araldus chapman is no all right, so Araldus Chapman is the fastest throwing man ever. He's the closer for the Yankees, a six-time All-Star. He holds the record for fastest fastball. He once, actually twice, threw 105 miles an hour. And uh, Now, he's actually Cuban. They call him the Cuban Missile, but since Broadway's kind of gotten a hold of him because of our podcast, they call him the Apex Predator because they like to compare oh. him to Regina George. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> So what I, I want you to imagine Chapman's on the mound. He's bringing in heat. I'll ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to your head. How does that sound? Great. All right. Favorite New York City meal? Uh, Daniela's pasta. Now, when you say Daniela's pasta, are we talking like red sauce, clam sauce, vodka sauce? Uh, they have a great uh, linguine white sauce, linguine with clams, white sauce. I'm Italian. I can very much appreciate that answer. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. And it comes, and there's a lot of it. So that, I love that too, especially after a show, just pounding down pasta. Team Jeter or Team A-Rod? Ooh, um, I'll go Jeter. Why not? What, what's, your, what's your answer? As a player, <laughs> it's Derek Jeter. But in retirement, I A-Rod's a cartoon character it's just so entertaining to me it's like i i i am so fascinated <laughs> with his behavior and his life off the field i've kind of like shifted to team a-rod and i'm gonna look him up and see what what shenanigans he's gotten into 
All right. I hope your ribs are uh, pretty strong with those morning workouts, Andy, because you might break one watching some uh, of this. Yeah, <laughs> I love a funny. I love a funny guy, so I might switch my answer. <laughs> All-time favorite film. Oh man, that's a good one. Um, Princess Bride is really up there. Come on. Uh, Ferris Bueller changed my life. Karate Kid. I just give you three, uh, but we'll stick. We'll stick with Princess Bride. All right, Nick. You know, from what I gather about your musical taste, you're a pretty big classic rock guy. What's your Desert Island album? <laughs> my Desert Island album. Actually, like lately, I've gotten into bluegrass covers of like '90s rock tunes. It's it's so much fun because you re-listen to the song that you loved from the '90s, and you're like, oh, those lyrics are really deep and profound and work in any type medium of music, any type of music. And um, so it's it's been really interesting. I'll take a I'll take a bluegrass album of uh, I don't know Van Halen. Why not? What's the coolest moment that you've gotten to share on stage with your fellow Tony nominee wife or fan? Um, I am not telling people to uh, film shows, but we had the privilege to film Legally Blonde with MTV. I, this is my favorite. Like I'm able to look at that and, and the two of us just laugh at ourselves at the characters we were playing and playing opposite each other um, as Kyle, the UPS guy and Paulette, the hairdresser. And uh, it's still, it's still up there. Had so much fun with that. Most embarrassing on stage moment. Uh, funny enough. Uh, with uh, my wife <laughs> when we first started dating and I was kind of, I was so out of my league with her. I was put, we were, we were in Saturday night fever on Broadway and I was the understudy to the lead, but it was my first time going on as Tony Monero. And I walk out into the scene that we do together as Annette and Tony. And I'm just like, I'm staring at this gorgeous girl that, I'm really into in my life. And that just sort of like wipes away all my lines in my head. And she covers for me for about three or four lines. And then I get back on track when I start dancing. Um, so thank God for her. Switching to the, well, that, that's actually a positive. Usually when we transition from this question to the next one, I say, well, switching to positive, but that's a, that we certainly, oh, I can give you plenty of negatives. I'll just go with that one. Like, yeah, ripping out my knee during, in the middle of, you know, a show on, on Broadway. That's, that's, that's the worst and embarrassing and awful, but I got over it. It's not bothering me at all. <laughs> <laughs> Proudest moment of your career. Uh, probably that same night that I ripped my knee out, um, crawled off stage crying, looked around, um, Andrew call, who was, uh, on that side of the stage talking in my ear saying, you're right, buddy. We got you brings over a knee brace and like wraps it around my knee. So, uh, crew people are helping me out. Um, the, the, everybody's sort of like really worried, awful moment. I'm in tears. Um, because this is two, two nights before I opened the show on Broadway and I'm thinking it's over. Something clicks in my head. Uh, I hear Rocky, you know, keep, keep on standing that kind of thing. Um, I start thinking about 
the show must go on, which is really cliche, but it's it. And then I start thinking about the part of the show that I just ran off stage. It I had just become the Phil Connors, the good Phil Connors, and I was helping everybody out and I had hurt myself and I was crawling. So I had one more song to sing called Seeing You. And uh, I, w- I was like, damn it, I need to complete this story. So my proud moment, um, you know, maybe maybe people have judgments of it, is that I wrapped my leg up and I got it back out there and my whole cast was like, yeah. And the audience was like screaming, so like just so happy that I, I'm doing it. And I was like, oh, I'm teaching myself a lesson and I'm teaching everybody else, I guess, a lesson. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to teach everybody a lesson. Everybody's joining on this moment right now, which brought theater to a very high level in my brain as far as what it can do and how it can affect people. Um, and I finished the show and sang that song called Seeing You um, for the audience, for my cast members, and for just the elements of life about being able to see everybody in front of you and realize them and and love them and try to see them for the first time. And it, it was a very artist life moment. I'm very proud of that one. Lastly, best piece of advice anyone ever gave you. Hmm. Ah, oh, so much. Yeah. That, people must always have, have trouble with this because as actors and I'm sure as baseball players, we get a lot of advice along the way. <clears throat> Some things inspire us to get over small hills and up, up big ones and over top of the ones. Um, it all just goes down to the first spark of wanting to take this on as a life, as, a, as an actor. Uh, my, my director in Greece back in Baltimore when I was like my first year of college, he had, he has he had seen a lot of Broadway shows. He had seen a lot of people, a lot of actors, and he pulls me aside. And he's he's a pretty crusty guy. He didn't really like give compliments at all. Mm-hmm. But he pulled me aside. He's like, I think he's like, have you ever thought about like really doing this as a profession? Because I think you could do this. I mean, to hear that as a person who kind of like I do this because I love it, sort of thing. But to hear like, oh, you think I'm good enough. I may have not been, I wasn't all that good back then, but I, I, I spent the rest of my life like improving and taking on challenges and knowing that this was my mission. And that, that was, that was the, that was the fire. It was, it was one person to tell you you're good. You should try doing this and you should follow your dream. Um, and so it, that's, that was a really important turn in my life. Well, Andy, this was awesome. I uh, cannot wait to see you back on Broadway, and I cannot thank you enough for joining us tonight on Break a Bat. I hope to see you there too, man. Thanks for uh, the interview. It was, it's great, and I, and I talk way too much about weird things. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm just really glad that you're uh, you're doing this for for me and for all of us. So uh, keep doing it, man. I appreciate it, brother. And um, Andy, if everyone wants to connect with you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, at Andy underscore Carl, Twitter, Instagram. That's, that's all good. You know, my wife sort of set it up for me. So I kind of just like, Oh, I see, I see messages from people and I go and I like them. That's about it. That's much my technology. I can press a little heart button. That's me. 
<laughs> these days you're better off not being that engaged with oh my god and, you know it's it, you can sit on your phone all day and that's probably what we're all doing i mean we're on a computer right now oh man let's go get outside and pl- throw some ball man yeah let's do it Andy. you're the man brother and uh to the bat heads at home thank you so much for joining us tonight this is al malafrante signing off for the broadway podcast network we'll see you next time thanks for listening to break a bat This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community, neighbor to neighbor. It takes a neighborhood.